Hello and welcome back to another episode of I Know I Sound Crazy. I'm your host, Ashlyn Galloway, and I have a sinus infection. I was debating whether I was going to mention it, but at this point in my headphones right now, my voice sounds so low to me. It usually does, but today it just sounds like a new level of low. So I feel like I have to address it. That's what's happening. It's my sinus infection. Honestly, I'm on the up and up. I feel great, but I'm not thrilled with what's happening with my voice. That's why I was waiting to record. I was like, oh, I'll give myself like a few days and my voice will sound better. And the irony here is today I sound the worst that I have all week, but it's okay. I I feel great. This is just what happens when the weather goes from 70 degrees to 19. My body gets a little confused and uh, here we are, but I'm good. I took all my weird organic medicine because as you know, um, down with big pharma if my FBI agent is listening, I'm joking. And uh, that's going to be a whole other episode. We'll get into it a different day. But today is a solo episode. I know last week's episode was pretty long, but I had somebody on there with me. I think people are more willing to listen to a longer podcast if there is a dialogue, if there is that banter, you know, because that is really interesting. And so when there's when there are episodes of just me, I'm going to keep them a little bit more concise. And then when I have a guest, obviously, we can like dive into stuff a little bit more. But speaking of banter and speaking of guests, really quick, I just have to address that the reviews I received for Jacob Street... At this point, I might as well just give him my damn podcast. Like I got a message that was like, we want more Jacob. And I was like, I'll go fuck myself. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, Truly the best compliments that anyone could give me are, I'm in tears listening to this because it's so funny. And you've convinced me like Carly and Taylor are in love. That's the best set of compliments you could give me. You guys are funny. And I've been convinced of your conspiracy theory. Like that's all I want in life to make people laugh and drag them down the rabbit hole with me. So thank you to everyone who has listened and shared it with friends or family or put it on your story. I've, I've got a few messages last week from people that I don't know. And that really meant a lot to me. So thank you to everyone who has listened and supported me. It just really, truly means a lot. I know I don't sound enthusiastic, but it's truly just because, um, I have a sinus infection and something weird's happening with my voice. Like I'm very happy and so excited to keep going. So today's episode is about Amanda Bynes. And I've noticed it it really bothers me when she gets brought up in conversation. Everyone's first response is never, oh my God, like she was amazing, like so talented, so funny, like our childhood. People always go right to, oh my God, what happened to her? Like it's so sad. Like, yeah, that the the machine just chewed her up and spit her out and like look what's happened. Like she's a drug issue. This is so sad. And that bothers me right off the bat. Because it's like we're forgetting what she used to mean to us. It's so much easier to focus on the negative. So I know the first two episodes were like more fun and lighthearted. You know, Amanda Bynes, like I see her in my mind as the epitome of fun and lighthearted. That's what she was to us. And I I don't want to like talk about that like it's gone forever because that's obviously still there. Like those movies still exist, but also that's still inside of her somewhere. So I'm going to try to pull elements of that through. But I I do want to say up front... I'm not going to shy away from what she went through because I think that's important to talk about. So Amanda was born on April 3rd, 1986, which means that she's currently 35 years old. Part of me is like, no way she's younger than that. That doesn't feel right. But then part of me is like, feels like she should be older. Like with the way that the, the media has portrayed her and been in her business for so long, it's like, that's it. She's only 35. Very sad. Um, she was the youngest of three siblings 
and her parents, uh, her dad was a dentist and her mom was a dental assistant. So very ordinary family, not involved in show business at all. Amanda started showing just great promise for comedy. So her parents like sent her to acting camp, put her in classes, and it didn't take long for her to get picked up by an agent. She actually got spotted by a Nickelodeon producer at a showcase that she did at the Laugh Factory. And he took her in for an audition and that's how she got all that. So for those of you who don't know, all that was a 90s sketch comedy show for kids. So it was like SNL for children, essentially. And she started that show in 1996. So that would mean that she was 10 when she started on all that. And when she was 13, she got The Amanda Show, which I did not realize this at the time, but The Amanda Show was actually a spinoff of all that. Like all that was a variety show. And because Amanda was clearly such a star, they gave her her own variety show. And do you want to know who spotted the sweet little Amanda and was like, I want to give you your own variety show? That'd be none other than Dan Schneider. For those of you who don't know, Dan Schneider was a, a producer and a writer at Nickelodeon, and he created a lot of the shows that we grew up on. So The Amanda Show, Drake and Josh, iCarly, Zoe 101, Victorious, Sam and Cat. He also wrote Good Burger, which I was not aware of until I was doing my research for this. So he just was heavily involved in Nickelodeon and um, was always like creating shows. And he was a writer for all the shows and then was producing all of them. So the Amanda show runs for three years from 99 to 2002. People love it, like respond very well to it. It's obvious that Amanda's a star. The show also had Drake and Josh on it, which led to their spinoff show. Um, it's just crazy when you go back and you look and you see Dan's hand in all of this. I'm not saying giving kids their own show is a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just saying it's crazy to see how you follow the money. How can these children make me more money? It's just weird when you grow up a little bit and you're looking back on it. Like all these kids were on each other's shows and they all eventually got their own shows. And the person profiting the most is Dan. It's just interesting. So um, the Amanda show runs for three years. And while she's on that show, she's linked to her first boyfriend, Taryn Killam. So Taryn is one of her co-stars. He is most popular probably from SNL. That's probably what you'd know him from because he is still an actor today. But on the Amanda show, he was the boy that likes her in Moody's Point. For those of you who do not know The Amanda Show, my little Gen Zers who are listening, one of the sketches on The Amanda Show was um, like a, supposed to be like a spoof of like Dawson's Creek. It was just supposed to be like a really dramatic like WB TV show. And um, Taryn played the guy that was in love with Amanda. So we were used to seeing them in like a romantic type setting and it wasn't weird. And like you were rooting for them. You wanted them together. Meanwhile, in real life, Amanda was 14 and Taryn was 19 during the time that they were linked together. And, you know, I'm not accusing him of anything. I, I'm sure he's a really nice guy. And I know he's married and he has kids now and he's like still a successful actor. But what I am going to say is like, this is a reoccurring issue in Hollywood. And really what it comes down to is the parents. Like, where were her parents? When I was 14, if I had been like, hey, mom and dad, I'm going to date a 19 year old. The answer would have been a resounding hell no. Four years is nothing when you're older, right? Like you're in your 20s. It's not a big deal. I would even argue that after 18, 
is when four years is like not that big of a deal anymore. But like in your 20s and your 30s, like no one gives a fuck. Four years younger, four years older, not a big deal. The issue here is that when you're 14, first and foremost, you're a minor. So someone should have been looking out for her. But also she was arguably a freshman in high school and a 19 year old would be between a freshman and a sophomore in college. That's like two different worlds maturity wise. I just, I don't understand what a 19 year old would want with a girl that young. I'm just going to leave it there because I don't even want to get into that, but that doesn't sit right with me. I know that doesn't sit right with you and we just ignore this and we let this happen. It happens in society a lot, but I see it in Hollywood all the time. And we just act like it was totally fine and totally normal. And to me, this was like the first real red flag in Amanda's story. And none of us were even aware that it was going on. Again, where were her parents? Like, why was nobody stepping in? Why were they allowing that to happen? So I have some things I want to talk about surrounding Nickelodeon. Um, First and foremost... I got my information from an anonymous Twitter thread. Um, It's an actress who didn't want to be named. You do not have to believe it because I know that doesn't seem like a very reliable source, but I am eyeball deep in this stuff and I'm telling you it checks out and do your own research. Obviously you always should, but based on the examples that I'm about to give you, it all checks out to me. It seems accurate and my gut is telling me that it's right. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you the story. So allegedly, Dan liked for the girls to have a certain dress code when they came in for auditions for Nickelodeon. It was a requirement that you wear a spaghetti strap, tank top, open toe shoes, and Dan really liked pigtails on the girls. And then when you got a part, there was like this producer party and they would say, oh my God, all the kids go. Like if you don't let your kid go, they're going to be the only one who doesn't go because every kid who gets a role goes. This is how we celebrate, you know, their new job. And this is also a good way for the kids to bond with all the producers. So uh, no parents allowed. It's, It's kids and producers only. And also it's a no shoes party. And uh, they have to be okay with getting pictures of their feet taken. Just, just want to make sure that's okay. So if I was a parent, uh, you guys would be hearing the story of how I went to jail for my actions following someone trying to tell me that shit. Like, are you kidding me? No. And I would hope that most people would agree with me on that. But And you'd think that, wouldn't you? Except for children went to these parties all the time. All I really have to say about that is your parents are supposed to protect you. They're your protectors. And... I'm not a mom and this is making me angry. So if you go back and you examine Dan's writing throughout all of these TV shows, it's extremely inappropriate because not only was he the the creator and he was producing it, like calling the shots, but he wrote a lot of these scripts. And when you go back and you look, they're wildly inappropriate. And I don't know if it's worse that they have kids saying it or if it's worse that it was marketed to children. So you have kids watching it thinking it's normal. It's just like classic grooming all the way around and it's gross. I'm going to post a little bit of it on my Instagram story so you guys can see it for yourself. It makes me feel weird, but I do feel like it's important for people to see it with their own eyes. I'm just going to hit the highlights, the ones I think are the most important. Ariana Grande, that poor girl had to say some of the most disgusting stuff on Instagram 
those Nickelodeon shows, there is an episode where she literally says, I'm so wet. The next line is, someone bring me the ocean. And then she's like, oh, see, that doesn't make sense. Like, no one would ever say that. But they could have literally picked anything else. And she, like, is laying on the bed and, like, water gets thrown on her face in a very suggestive way. Um, There's one where she, like, shoves her whole fist in her mouth. Kids were always barefoot, too. When you go back and you start watching, there's so many scenes where kids are, like, taking off their shoes or they don't have shoes on. And it doesn't do anything for the plot. There's also a scene where a character says, I'm a throat player. The proper way to say what they're trying to articulate is my voice is my primary instrument. But instead they're like, I play with my throat. I'm a throat player. And somebody else is like, that sounds kind of gross. And I'm like, what the fuck? So if you go back and you watch, it's not just inappropriate comments. It's feet everywhere. And then I need to remind everybody and I'm really sorry to do this, but Nickelodeon's logo. Do you guys remember? You know what it is now? It's like a splat of orange, for lack of better wording. It used to be a foot. So things are lining up here in a way that is not looking great for Dan. If we do a quick little flash forward to 2013 when Sam and Cat was on the air, the official Twitter account for Sam and Cat tweeted, Sam and Cat tomorrow, right on the bottom of your foot, take a f- pick and use hashtag Sam and Cat Saturday. We'll retweet and follow until our fingers get sore. Like, I just am speechless at this point. That rarely happens. I usually have something to say, but at this point, I don't. So we'll just keep going. There have also been rumors of hush money for a very long time. Some people have come out anonymously, like that one girl I'm talking about on the Twitter thread. Um, she actually did talk about it. Like the, the amount of money that Nickelodeon has paid out over the years to keep families quiet is astronomical. And we have no idea. And this is one of those tricky things, right? Like it's just a rumor. Do we really know? But these kids are traumatized and they're embarrassed and they don't want to put their name out there for everyone to hear. Like, I understand that. And also, I would assume that there's an element of fear. Like, is something going to happen to them if they come forward with the truth? So I understand why we don't have more stories. I will say Jeanette McCurdy has touched on this as well. She actually made a Vine several years ago. Went back on Vine was the thing. And she had like crazy makeup on and messed her hair up. And she was like, do you think I'm pretty now, Dan? And then she wouldn't come back for the iCarly reboot, which probably all of you are aware of that. So she's quit acting. And I know she has her reasons. And there were things outside of Dan, I'm sure. But she has definitely alluded to the fact that she was not protected in the industry at all. Also, I didn't say who she was. So for those of you who don't know, she was Sam on iCarly. And then she was Sam on Sam and Cat. Lastly, and arguably the most important piece of evidence in this case is the fact that Nickelodeon continually hires people who prey on children. And I'll just leave it at that. But one of them, a talent agent named Marty Weiss, who worked very closely with Nickelodeon, is now convicted because he preyed on a child as young as 11. So something is not adding up here that everyone surrounding Nickelodeon is bringing harm to children. I wonder if you're going to be able to tell a difference in my voice. You totally are. I am so much better. I had to take a break. I had to throw in the towel because my level of congestion was making it hard to record. I felt pretty good, but I just sounded so bad. 
So I took a break. I did not get the episode out by Wednesday, obviously, and I'm really sorry about that. It is presently Thursday, December 23rd, and I'm feeling like a new woman. So I'm going to continue with the Amanda Bynes saga. I really thought about re-recording the first half just because I hate how congested I sound, but you know what? Authenticity. And also, I work really hard on the research for these episodes, so the work that I've put into it is the same either way whether I sound congested or not. So I'm going to keep going and hopefully this will provide a slightly better listening experience for all of you. So where I left it off, I was talking about the talent agent who is now a registered sex offender. I, there's so many other instances of this happening. All you really need to know is that there have been many people who have worked for Nickelodeon Studios that are now registered sex offenders. And that's all I want to say because I don't want to give them a platform. So going back to the Amanda show, you've actually seen Dan Schneider act before. He wrote himself lots of little segments for um, a segment called Amanda's Jacuzzi where she was like in a bathing suit in a jacuzzi at the age of like 14. Dan wrote himself a part where he was like in the hot tub with her, fully clothed, but still not normal behavior for an adult male. Also, probably most notable, she had a sketch where she would prank call this old man and he would like get so mad and yell at her and the old man that she's prank calling is Dan Schneider. So the Amanda show ends in 2002 and Amanda is in her first ever feature film, which is Big Fat Liar with Frankie Muniz. And you guys want to know who wrote the screenplay? Dan Schneider. You probably knew that one was coming. He also came up with the story. So... Had a big hand in this movie. And then also, Taryn Killen was in this as well. So at this point, it'd be her ex-boyfriend, who she had been dating when she was way too young. I'll just never miss an opportunity to say that that's inappropriate. I was actually thinking about this. Do you guys remember a couple years ago when Millie Bobby Brown was like, oh my God, me and Drake text all the time. And everybody was like, wow, what an unlikely duo. We love it. Is everybody fucking stupid? Like seriously, are we all fucking dumb? It's like right in front of us and we're just ignoring it. I'm not saying he did anything or that he's going to try to do anything. But if someone's under 18, they're a child. You're a child. What are you doing, sir? You're 30. Stop it. I just get very passionate about this. Okay, so she goes on to star the same year in What I Like About You, which is a sitcom on the WB. She's opposite of Jenny Garth. They play two sisters living in New York City. Amanda's the younger sister. And it's very much like a coming of age story. And it's Amanda's first adult role because she's only done Nickelodeon and then Big Fat Liar, which is a children's movie. So this is like her first kind of grown up thing. And the show was co-created by, would you like to give it a guess? Dan Schneider. So the show runs from 2002 to 2006. And while the show runs, Amanda films several movies. She does What a Girl Wants. Honestly, that's one of my all-time favorite movies. I don't care that it's a cheesy 2003 rom-com. I love it. And then she does the voice for an animated movie called Robots. She does Love Wrecked and she does She's the Man. So those last two are very interesting. So Love Wrecked is actually filmed in 2005. And it's filmed with the intention of like a theatrical distribution. But it doesn't do well. And nobody wants it. So they finally, two years later, sell it to ABC Family as like a family-friendly TV movie. Um, they had to edit it a lot because the original movie was going to be PG-13. So it gets edited down. They cut out a lot of content and it finally gets sold to ABC Family. And it does terrible. The reviews are really bad. It has a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics are coming after Amanda saying she's done so many better films. And that wasn't really fair because 
when it was filmed, She's the Man wasn't out yet. And it also was filmed as a completely different movie and then got edited down to be a family-friendly, ABC family movie. So that obviously wasn't Amanda's fault. And in my opinion, I think this is when her confidence started to take a hit when it came to her acting. So another thing we should note is both of these movies played a very big role in her body image issues. So in Love Wrecked, when she was filming it, so 2005, she gets mono and is super, super sick and gets down to 100 pounds. And apparently her mom tells her, you've never looked better. So that begins Amanda's obsession with 100 pounds. It just seems like all the way around, Love Wrecked was kind of a bad experience for her. So she goes on to do She's the Man. And for those of you who haven't seen it, it's a modern retelling of Twelfth Night. So she plays a character who dresses up as a boy for a good portion of the movie because she's like pretending to be her brother. She's got a point to prove her school's soccer team gets cut. So she pretends to be her brother and play on the boys soccer team at an opposing school. And this was the first time I think a lot of us realized her comedic timing and the physical comedy of it all. Like she is just so talented and this movie is so well loved, but Amanda hates it. She says that this is one of her biggest regrets because seeing herself dressed up like a boy just messed with her head and messed with her self-esteem and sent her into a deep depression. So if you're following, she just had mono, got down to 100 pounds, is really struggling with her body image. Then she does this movie and now is hating seeing herself dressed as a boy. Then Love Wreck comes out and everybody hates it. From the outside looking in, obviously we had no idea, but I think it's pretty clear to look back and see that this was all taking a toll on her mental and emotional state. So the next movie she goes on to do is Hairspray, which she says was the greatest filming experience. And she loved it and loved being on set, loved being surrounded by just these icons. She was with John Travolta, Queen Latifah, just like an amazing filming experience. But she did say that this was the time in her life where she got addicted to Adderall. So it's 2007 and she hears about a skinny pill, And, you know, she's got this need to be 100 pounds. So she starts abusing Adderall during her time that she's filming Hairspray. So the next movie she goes on to film is Sydney White, which is a modern retelling of Snow White. I think it is such a good movie. It's really funny. It's really well done. And it just did not do very well. The box office did okay, but the critics were really harsh and the reviews just were not that good. And apparently that just devastated Amanda because, you know, here's a movie. She's not dressed like a boy. It hasn't been sold to ABC family. Like it's not a children's movie, like big fat liar. This was something that she was really excited about and it just didn't do well at all. And apparently that just crushed Amanda, absolutely broke her heart. And she never really recovered from that. So the next movie that she does is actually a TV movie on Lifetime, which I have never heard of. And it did really well. It's called Living Proof. It starred Harry Connick Jr. And Amanda was in it as a supporting role. And the movie did really well, but it wasn't popular. It didn't go to the movies. I mean, I'm a big Amanda Bynes fan, and I didn't even know about this until I started researching for this episode. So in 2009, she was supposed to be in Postgrad, which is Alexis Bledel. And Amanda was supposed to be that main character and she dropped out due to like personal issues. And then she goes on to do Easy A in 2010. 
which is her last movie. None of us knew that at the time, obviously. And it's kind of interesting because if you go back and watch it now with a critical eye, you're seeing that she is selecting her roles very carefully because she wants to be taken seriously. Sydney White flopped. She does this Lifetime movie that nobody sees. So now she's like, okay, I'll try the villain. Also, something I haven't mentioned is Lindsay Lohan was very popular at this time. The media was constantly trying to compare the two of them. And I think that it was just really taking a toll on Amanda's mental health. And it was bothering her because it was like, we're the same. I'm as talented as she is. Why is she getting all these roles that I want? So she plays the villain, which is something she's never done before. And the movie is released in 2010, September 2010. And Amanda hates her performance. She said after she sees herself on screen, hates her performance, hates her appearance, decides to quit acting altogether and announces it on Twitter. And we're all just like, I don't know if we were thinking it was a prank or if we were thinking, oh, she just needs a break. But like, I can tell you right now, I did not think that Easy A was going to be her last film. And it was. That was the last time that we saw her on camera. So she actually was supposed to be in Hall Pass. She was supposed to play Paige, but she dropped out of the film. Apparently at this point, the Adderall usage was just off the charts and she couldn't remember her lines and she was being very unprofessional, which is not like Amanda. And again, I'm going to ask, where were her parents? I don't care if your baby is over the age of 18. That's still your baby. If you sign up to be a parent, that's your job for life. And at this point, they have spent a lot of her money. It feels very much like Shia LaBeouf, honestly. Push her into acting as a child. It's very lucrative. They're profiting off of it. They are spending a lot of her money. They're not around for any of these points where I'm like, red flag, red flag. Her parents aren't there. And once again, erratic behavior. It's ending up in the tabloids. Where's your mom? Like something was wrong. Amanda is a professional. She's an amazing actress. Her not being professional in that setting should show us that something was wrong. So she drops out of the film and she's done with acting. At this point, she's already said on Twitter that she was retiring. And so now she decides that she's going to focus on fashion design. Two things I forgot to mention. One, she apparently was big into art growing up, like was always drawing. So definitely could have been a lifelong passion. And she felt like it was time for her to pursue it. Also, I think we all forget about this, but in 2007, she had a collaboration with Stephen Barry's. The line was called Dear. And it did okay, but Stephen Barry's went under in 2009. So again, something that Amanda has attached her name to kind of falls apart. Also something I completely forgot to mention, when she was on What I Like About You, she was 17 and was dating her co-star who was 24. So once again, just if you're under 18, you were a child. And I just need to reiterate that because it seems like this was a weird cycle in her life. And again, where were her parents? Why wasn't somebody looking out for her? So we're going to go back to 2012. So there's a couple of years in there. Amanda's not acting. I guess we just weren't really paying attention to what she was up to. And then in 2012, she starts to get into a little bit of legal trouble. So in March, she is on her phone while she's driving and she gets pulled over and she hands the cop her information. And while she's waiting on the cop to come back and hand her like her ticket, she drives away. 
probably not her best move considering he already had her license in his hand. So like he doesn't need to chase her. Then the next month she swipes a police car and you know what? Like it happens. Modest mouse put it in their song float on. I backed my car into a cop car the other day. Okay. It happens. But the issue is she's already in a little bit of trouble because she like ran from a police officer. So they pull her over and she refuses to take a breathalyzer, which I thought you were allowed to do. I was pretty sure you're allowed to refuse one. You just have to like go with them to the station and take a test there. Someone correct me. I'm not a cop. I thought there was a if you're not comfortable taking a breathalyzer, you don't technically have to, but they take her into custody. And then she is maintained through every DUI that she doesn't drink. Um, I think a big issue here was the Adderall. So in August of 2012, this was just like not a great year for Amanda and her driving. She rear-ended a car. And so she gets charged with like a hit and run. Amanda maintains that she and the driver decided that there was minimal damage but the driver says that she essentially looked at it and was like, we're good and drove away. So she gets charged with a hit and run. So her license gets suspended and then she gets pulled over uh, for driving with a suspended license. And then shortly after that, her agent manager and publicist all drop her. And then in January of 2013 is when she starts having her erratic behavior on the internet And this is the time period that I feel like everybody remembers. Like when we think of Amanda, we don't ever say, oh my gosh, like she's in all my favorite childhood films. I've already touched on this, but we say, oh my God, remember when she was tweeting crazy things? And I don't like that because this was such a brief moment in her life, but she debuted her cheek piercings, posted a picture of them online, and then she started tweeting some unsavory things. She called Rihanna ugly. She says that she wants Drake to murder her vagina. I'm just thinking that could have been a text to a friend and not a tweet, but you know, this was her journey. Um, Amanda's also constantly tweeting how she's going to sue certain people and publications. So she really doesn't like Us Weekly. She says they're always accusing her of having a mental illness and accusing her of drinking. And she doesn't drink because she's allergic to alcohol. And then she really doesn't like Perez Hilton and says that he's like always talking shit about her. And to be fair, she has a point. Like, why have we given somebody an entire career and made them very wealthy when really all they do is get on the internet and bully people? So in April, she tweets a video. I'll put it on my Instagram. And the caption was like, I'm sucking on a Sour Patch Kid and listening to music, getting ready for tonight. But it's not a great video like her eyes are sort of rolling in the back of her head I guess it's like a boomerang type deal but her eye makeup is crazy her hair looks super messed up she just looks very strung out you know and she might not have been and she might have just been like trying to have fun put herself on the internet but she just gets absolutely like annihilated for putting that out into the world because you know the internet's forever So then Jenny McCarthy tweets about Amanda. And I don't know if earlier I accidentally said Jenny McCarthy. As you know, this episode has been a struggle to get through. So I'm not sure what I said. Um, Her co-star on What I Like About You is Jenny Garth. Jenny McCarthy is a lady who used to host the New Year's Eve, the blonde lady who's married to Donnie Wahlberg. And Jenny McCarthy tweets, the police are at Amanda's house and she tags Amanda in it. 
I hope they get her help. Enough of the circus. She needs help. Now, I don't know if Jenny should have done that. Like, I get it. We all like want to see Amanda successful. And I think this also, to be fair, was a time where everybody thought Twitter was like a way to communicate with one another. Do you remember that? Like people, would, celebrities even would like go back and forth and tweet at each other. So I'm going to give a little bit of it to that was kind of the time. Like that was the way that people communicated in 2013. We thought that was normal. So um, I'm going to try to give a little bit of grace, but I don't think that was the best way to handle that, especially when somebody is clearly really hurting. So Amanda obviously does not like that at all. And she tweets back at Jenny and she says that Jenny is ugly and an old lady <laughs> who looks 80 <laughs> compared to Amanda. And then Jenny apologizes, which is the right thing to do. And then Amanda is very remorseful and is like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'll delete our tweets. You're beautiful. So it should show you that like Amanda was lashing out because she's hurt. And obviously there's still like a soft person under this exterior, which again where are her parents? Like if I started acting like this at 26, my mother would have come and got me. But Amanda's just like living in New York and it seems like nobody is looking out for her. At this point, I'm just like, even her friends, like nobody was there for her. It's really sad. So she gets three years probation for driving with a suspended license. And then right after that, She's arrested on drug charges. Apparently, when she was living in New York, she would like leave her door open and be smoking and all of her neighbors would be like walking by and they could smell it and she would like constantly be offering it to everybody and sometimes she'd be like walking around without pants on and she had a problem like keeping an apartment. She had to move around a lot because places wouldn't let her stay because of her behavior and her drug use. Also, I would like to mention, I have never been able to find claims of anything more than marijuana and Adderall. She has said in an interview that she like messed with cocaine a little bit, but that like wasn't her drug of choice. So again, I would just like to reiterate that the media had us over here thinking she was like shooting up heroin and like truly absolutely insane. Meanwhile, she was likely abused as a child based on everything that we know and she's self-medicating. I'm sorry, but like you can't really blame her. So she gets in trouble because she throws a bong out of the window of her 36th um, floor apartment and she tells the judge it was just a vase, which honestly is kind of hilarious. Like you got to give it to her. The girl's a comedian. There are a lot more minor things, but I think probably the last real notable thing during this time is she tweets that she's suing her family because basically they took all of her money and that she would rather her family be homeless than live off of her money. Now, based on her pattern of behavior, she's had run-ins with the law. She's getting in trouble. People have a hard time believing that. But I think that that's the root of all of these behavioral issues that we're seeing right now. Imagine having a mother who cares more about the money in your bank account than your well-being. Like that's not what a mom is supposed to do. And Amanda has no support system at this point. I'm actually very grateful for that judge because they throw the case out of her throwing the bong out the window. But in July, she's arrested again because back in California, she starts a fire in someone's driveway. So she's arrested and she actually is 
detained. Um, They put her on a 72-hour mental health evaluation hold, and her parents file for a conservatorship. So her mother is granted temporary conservatorship in August of 2013. And as of 2021, her mother is still the conservator of her account. So fall of 2014, Amanda tweets that her dad abused her, like emotionally and sexually. And she says that her mother was aware and never did anything and that she wants a restraining order against him. And she hopes he goes to jail for the rest of his perverted life. Then she takes to Twitter and says, my dad never did any of those things. The microchip in my brain made me say those things, but he's the one that ordered them to microchip me. I don't know the answer here. Something is wrong and my stomach drops when I hear that. And then what's really crazy is right after this, her parents are given full conservatorship over her account again. So don't really like how that looks. I will also say there was a time where she had said like Dan Schneider's like a father to me. So I wonder if that gives any of this kind of a double meaning. That's obviously a speculation. That's just my thoughts on this. But I think Amanda is a lot smarter than we've ever given her credit for. Because in December of 2014, after her conservatorship is reinstated, she tweets, I'm Britney Spears. And we're all sitting around being like, wow, she's so funny. Or, wow, she's unhinged. And I don't think she was being funny at all. I think she was trying to send us a message. So I also forgot to mention that in 2013, she tweeted a picture of herself in pants and like a bralette. And she looked very slender. And the caption was like, my goal weight's 100 pounds. I'm getting fat. And she did that multiple times, tweeting about how she wanted to be her goal weight of 100 pounds, which we now know is because when she weighed 100 pounds during her time being deathly ill with mono, her mom said, you've never looked better. It pops up in a few other places. She does an interview with Us Weekly. They do a 25 Things You Don't Know About Amanda Bynes. And she says... I moved to New York City and I love it. I lost four pounds since I moved. I'm 121 pounds. My goal is 100 pounds. Just, we should have all seen that something was clearly going on. But instead, fucking Us Weekly is like, yeah, we should print this. Just not really sure what was going on. And again, where were her parents? Where are the people that are supposed to be looking out for her? So back to our timeline. December 2014 is when she says, I'm Britney Spears. She ends up tweeting that she's been diagnosed with bipolar and that she's doing really well. And after that, I really don't have much on what Amanda was doing between 2015 and 2018. If she was posting on social media during this time, it's gone now. I honestly can't even find her accounts at this moment. There was an account that I thought was hers and it's not verified. So at this point, I really don't even know. I feel like it's all been scrubbed from the internet. So at this point, we're at 2017 and she does a very awkward interview. And she admits that she's like living a sober life now. And when she tweeted that she wanted Drake to murder her vagina, she was on drugs. Honestly, the girl doing the interview comes across very unprofessional. So I think Amanda did the best she could in the awkward situation that she was put in. 
the girl literally was like, what does it feel like to have your vagina murdered by Drake? And Amanda goes, oh, I don't know, because it didn't happen. So just like, I don't like that. And that's not funny. Like this isn't, we're not poking at someone who was clearly going through like a mental breakdown. But as we've seen throughout Amanda's life, this happens to her a lot. People capitalize on her trauma. So the interview's awkward. In 2018, she does an interview with Paper Magazine. You probably remember this because the pictures were everywhere for like a minute. Everyone was so excited about this and then it went away again. But she is really open and honest and she talks about her addiction to Adderall and the issues that that caused for her. She talks about being sober. She's been sober at this point for almost four years. She's enrolled in school. She is attending the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in downtown Los Angeles. And she's getting her associate's degree in merchandise product development. And then soon after, she's going to get her bachelor's degree. So she's working really hard. She's hopeful for her future. She's just excited. And at the end of the interview, she talks about how she's been through the worst of it. Like nothing could be that bad again. She can handle anything that's thrown at her. Well, 2018 is a big year because something else happens in 2018. Dan Schneider is let go from Nickelodeon. He's not in prison. I just want to let that be known. He's like still out there wandering the world. Got a lot of money. Doing just fine. Seemingly no consequences. He wasn't even fired. Basically what happened is Nickelodeon and Dan mutually decided to not extend a production deal. I think... Nickelodeon was under a lot of fire because all of this was starting to come out. People were starting to talk and I think they didn't want to be associated with it. And I think Dan got out essentially before they could fire him. So he's not in prison and there have been no consequences in his life thus far. Well, something very interesting happens when the news of Dan's exit from Nickelodeon hits the mainstream media. This website called Crazy Days and Nights posts an anonymous letter that they've received. Crazy Days and Nights is a blind items website. It's run by a lawyer who lives in Hollywood, knows a lot of celebrities, sees a lot of stuff, hears a lot of stuff, and writes about it. But the way that he can write about it without getting sued for slander is he doesn't include the names of who he's writing about. But he will include a hint or a clue, and it's up to you, the reader, to figure out who he's talking about. And then once the news hits the general public, eventually, he will go back and, quote-unquote, solve the blind item and put the proper names in. Obviously, that doesn't sound like a super reliable source when it comes to, you know, where you're getting your news. But remember that this is a conspiracy theory and controversial topic podcast. And this is where stuff starts to get really interesting. So Crazy Days and Nights post an anonymous letter that they've received. And I'm just going to read it to you. This is posted on Tuesday, March 27th, 2018. Last night after the news broke about a certain producer, an actress All of you know, who knows the producer as well as anyone, sent me this. Thank you all for your ongoing support. I don't know how any of these men sleep at night, but if there's one thing that I do know, it's that what they've done to me in the dark always comes to light. XOXO. I'm going to post the letter on my Instagram so you can see it for yourself. But she capitalizes 
random letters in this message. The message is all lowercase and random letters are capitalized. Very Taylor Swift of her. If you pull out the capitalized letters, it spells Dan did it. At the bottom of her letter, she wrote, sorry, I thought that was clever. Unfortunately, I will obviously not be making any comment whatsoever for obvious reasons. And unfortunately, I feel as though the only way that legitimate stories can make the headlines regarding blank is if others publicly speak on his behavior. Blank was truly like a second father to me. But things changed. After the second incident, I don't know if I will ever be able to have children or have the family of my dreams. People have been picking the scab for years. I just won't be the one who finally rips it off. I think that evidence is incredibly damning. I understand that her name is not directly attached to it, but I also understand the sensitivity of the subject. I believe her. I believe that I do. And it checks out. That's good enough for me. The whole thing about the second father, that's just like eerie. So I haven't heard a peep from Dan Schneider since, except for they did a Zoom call victorious reunion last year during quarantine. God help us all. And I'm not going to lie to you. I was extremely disappointed in the fact that people showed up for that, but especially the fact that there were the girls all came back for it. Like I was sitting there looking at Victoria Justice and Ariana Grande, like girlies, let's, let's not. We're all for the Me Too movement until it involves the man who made you rich. I said what I fucking said. I like consistency. Where is it? I'm not seeing it. Also, in fall of 2019, Dan deleted 14,000 tweets. Doesn't really seem like the behavior of an innocent man, but hey, what do I know? So summer 2019, Amanda graduates from California's Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. And then in February of 2020, she announces her engagement to a man named Paul Michael. She posts a picture of her ring, says he's the love of her life. Also posts a really sweet video saying, I'm sorry to everyone that I called ugly. I was having a really hard time in my life. I felt ugly, so I was lashing out and I didn't mean it, and I'm sober, and I'm engaged, and I've never been this happy. So things definitely seem to be looking up for Amanda. In March 2020, she posts a picture of a sonogram. People are obviously losing their damn minds. Every news outlet picks it up. Amanda Bynes is having a baby, expecting child with fiance. And this is where stuff starts to get really weird. Amanda ends up deleting the post. Her lawyer ends up saying Amanda is not expecting a baby pretty weird considering Amanda is 34 at the time or 33 about to turn 34 and her lawyer is the one telling people that she's no longer pregnant. I found some articles that said no longer pregnant. I said I found some articles that said she was never pregnant. Very bizarre and I don't really have answers so obviously would love to hear your thoughts. Anyway you slice it This isn't adding up, and it's traumatic. In light of everything that we know, Amanda saying, you know, I want, humor me and say that that anonymous letter was from her. She's saying, I want to have a child one day. I want to have a family. And now she's got a lawyer being like, nope, she's not pregnant. If nothing else, that seems extremely insensitive. So she and Paul break up, but then they get back together. 
as of 2021, as far as I can tell, she and Paul are back together. In January of 2021, she released a rap song. And she's rapping with a guy named Precise. There's there's speculation that Precise is Paul. Uh, that would make sense. The song is called Diamonds. I'll put a little clip on my Instagram, but um, it has not been released on any streaming platforms as of this present moment. And she's still under her conservatorship. The judge has extended it until 2023. Now, for those of you who know me, you know I've been extremely passionate about Britney Spears. And I have to say, now that I've been made aware of everything that happened in Amanda's case, I want to start the free Amanda movement because she's not crazy. She's traumatized. She needs to be away from her parents. They have squandered her money. They have manipulated her. They've emotionally abused her. I think that most of the fault lies solely on them. I think if she could get away from her parents, if she could have control over her finances, control over her own decisions. Also, the micromanaging. Like, I really can't imagine how it feels to be constantly micromanaged at 35 years old. We know it's happening. Perfect example, her lawyer releasing a statement about her Instagram account being like, nope, she's not pregnant. Like, fuck off. Even if she was being the biggest troll to mankind and just trolling us, who cares? She's a grown up. Like, she doesn't need permission to post stuff. I just think her life will get a lot better if she gets away from her crazy parents and away from the micromanagement and can feel like an adult and have control of her life and her finances. And I just want her to have a happy marriage and a family if that's what she wants and just a happy life because she made us so happy for so many years. She deserves to feel happiness too. I always want to be really mindful with these episodes when it is a more of a tender subject like this, that if the person I'm speaking about was listening they would walk away feeling good about themselves and knowing that I'm supportive and I'm advocating for them the best way that I know how. And then I told the truth. So I'm going to end the Amanda story here and I'm going to start the free Amanda movement. Free Britney started with a hashtag. So stranger things have happened and Amanda deserves the same level of recognition because she's been through trauma just like Britney has. And If we don't say something, who will? Honestly, at this point, it's not going to be her parents. It's like she has no one in her corner. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do a podcast to talk about things that other people don't want to talk about. And this is one of them. Free Amanda. Fuck Nickelodeon. I said what I said. Dan needs to go to jail. Don't let your children ever in a million, billion, trillion years audition for anything at Nickelodeon. And... Everyone go watch Sydney White because it's a really good movie and she just did not get the recognition that she deserved from that. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope that this was informative. Like I said, I apologize for the delay, but it is out on Christmas Eve. So, you know, when your family inevitably drives you crazy because it's going to happen, you can just sneak into the other room and listen to me talk about Amanda Bynes. Nothing says Christmas like a good conspiracy theory. So Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope you have a beautiful holiday. Stay safe. 
I'm your host, Ashlyn Galloway. I know I sound crazy, but I'm usually right.